and welcome to the Attachment Network podcast series. I'm your host, Lori McPherson. The Attachment Network is a multidisciplinary, not-for-profit organization based in Manitoba, Canada, that aims to promote better understanding of attachment across the lifespan. In this podcast series, we have some very interesting conversations with Dr. Saima Malik, a clinical psychologist, about attachment across the various stages of childhood development. Our conversations are based on a series of brochures the Attachment Network developed called the 10 Things Project. Each podcast highlights the 10 things your child wants you to know. These points, shared from the child's perspective, helps caregivers understand what a child needs to help them grow and thrive in a complex world. We're glad you've joined us. Welcome to Episode 6 in the Attachment Network podcast series, where we have in-depth discussions on parenting and attachment across different childhood developmental stages and in different circumstances. Today's podcast is about 10 important things to know when you're a separated parent. Once again, we have Dr. Simon Malik, clinical psychologist, with us to explore this topic. Welcome back, Dr. Malik. Thanks, Lori. It's great to be back. Great to have you. So this particular topic is a bit different than our last four topics, which were about different ages and stages from infancy to teens and the impacts of attachment on those different stages. The next few podcasts address different parenting circumstances, and today we're talking about separated parents. And even if you yourself are not in a separated or divorce situation, chances are you have a separated and co-parenting person in your extended family, among friends or colleagues, or maybe you work with families yourself who are separated or divorced. So in fact, in Canada, uh, according to the Canadian Health Survey on Children and Youth, in 2019, nearly one in five children under the age of 18 had experienced a parental divorce or separation. So this is something that impacts a lot of families, for sure. So it's a really important topic. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so let's begin with our 10 points and start with number one. And so the number one thing to keep in mind, uh, which we'll look forward to a discussion about, is I need you to know how hard it is for me to go back and forth between two homes. So I, I guess you can remind our listeners that we bring these points to you from the perspective of the child to kind of gain that insight into what their experience is for this. And so this is our first point. Absolutely. And so, and so we are thinking from a child's perspective, what is it like? And so we, we want to remember too, of course, and any family who's going through this will be able to immediately relate to this, that if you have multiple children, you're thinking along uh, the lines of the age of each child, who is this particular child and how are they coping with all the changes? So this could look very different depending on the range of ages you have. So toddlers and preschoolers will cope very differently than teenagers, mm -hmm. right? So we, we want parents, we want to remind parents to, to think of their specific situation and, and think, how does this apply? 
So we know that going back and forth between two different homes with different routines and arrangements is, is very challenging. And I guess what we're trying to say is that um, remind families that kids need grownups to to say this out loud, you know, and lots of times parents worry that if they say such things out loud that, oh, this is really hard, mm-hmm. that maybe they're chain, like planting seeds that don't exist. Mm-hmm. Or reinforcing and, it. Right. Or, or making things worse, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, maybe what, maybe it's not so bad for them. And mm-hmm. so if I say that, aren't I making it worse mm-hmm. for them? Mm-hmm. And kind of focusing on negative things, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that a worry that parents have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we're, what we're really um, suggesting is that for kids, it can be so validating to hear that a grown-up gets it. Okay, so I, I do feel like it's hard. So if they say it's hard or that lots of kids struggle, I know other kids that say it's hard. I wonder if it's hard for you too mm. to go back and forth mm-hmm. and always have to say goodbye to your friends on the block and say goodbye to your, your maybe your dad has a puppy at his house right? Maybe it's hard to say goodbye to the puppy and we don't have a puppy. Mm-hmm. And right. So we're, so validating. So letting our children know, I get it. It's hard for you. We don't think that's planting seeds or, or, or focusing on negatives. We're actually, we think that that opens up communication. So if it is hard, they can come to us and see us as someone who's safe to talk to about things that might be kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that the child, for the child, that maybe it's not hard or not hard in that moment, they do have the opportunity to say, yeah, no, it's it's all good. Or, you you know, you, they'll have a chance to validate their experience. It's not likely to push them to have that experience of it being more challenging. They, they can uh, share how they're actually feeling. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, if you're on the wrong track, they might correct you. If you if you practice just kind of putting it out there and say, you know, I don't know, I might be wrong, but I'm wondering if this is hard for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I see that you look a little bit grumpy right now. Mm-hmm. Is it because, you know, was it hard for you to leave last night? Right. And so we're we're asking parents to, to kind of trust their gut, their gut reaction and also not to be afraid to put it out there, to mm-hmm. say it out loud mm-hmm. and let their kids know that I'm thinking this, I'm wondering if that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really important, that validation, which has been a, a fairly consistent theme through all of the, our discussions mm-hmm. about attachment is just really validating that experience that the child is having. Yeah, see me, see me for me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Great. So number two, practical things says, I need you to be patient with me if I forget the rules or routines at your house. So some of those practical things of maybe having to go back and forth. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I was thinking about, you know, it's summertime and and some of us are traveling. And so we think about what do we need? We have to plan ahead. We have to think what, what might we need while we're away from home. And so I guess that's one way to think about this. So young kids are being asked to plan ahead and they may not know how to read. They may not know what an agenda is or schedule is yet. Mm -hmm. And yet we're asking them to try to remember what they need to go back and forth between two different physical locations Mm -hmm. and what would be meaningful for them. And so often, of course, when kids are younger, parents are doing a lot of this for them. Mm -hmm. But as they get older, then I think more of the responsibility falls on their shoulders. And, And then they might find meaning in certain objects and they may want to decide what to bring, go back and forth. And, and then, so I think what we're getting at here is that it's a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. and we really want to remind ourselves that we, they need patience and we need patience with them, mm-hmm. right? Like we're asking them to do super heroic things and we're being 
parents are being asked to do super heroic things for their children to be able to support them through these hard times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that patience on both sides goes a long way toward yeah. keeping that relationship strong and and healthy and in a good place. Yeah, and and to be compassionate, right? So of course, of course, it's so much work to remember that you you know you have to bring your math homework. Mm-hmm to mom's house from dad's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Important one. Okay. So number three says, I do not need to hear negative things about my other parent. It will scare me if I can't be free to love and rely on you both. I'll need that parent when I'm with them. Yeah. This, this really goes to the heart of what we think about with secure attachment, right? So we, we need, we want families remember that in the absence of the other parent, so if my child is going to my ex-partner's home, Mm -hmm. in my absence, my child needs to be able to trust that parent. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if I'm saying negative things, that could undermine my child's trust in in the other parents. So we might we might forget sometimes because we're caught up in our own reactions and maybe our own memories of who this parent was when we were together as a family, mm-hmm. if we were together as a family. Mm-hmm. And and so we're we're really emphasizing here mindfulness. You know, can we pay attention how we speak about the other parent both directly and indirectly to our child? And if we're having strong feelings and reactions, maybe that's a sign to reach out for some support and, mm-hmm. and look to our support system and maybe maybe find another parent who could relate, you know, to what I'm going through. And so that I have a place to put that that energy, but that my child can be free to just look to this parent as someone who they can count on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can imagine it must be a real struggle because everybody's having these, you know, conflicting feelings oh, or, or just feeling sure. hurt or, or, you know, experiencing things or want to feel like they want to say negative things if maybe expectations aren't met or those kinds of things. But it's Absolutely. Uh, a little bit, as you say, of, uh, you know, not putting the child in that situation to hear mm-hmm. that. It's not that they, they uh, you know, finding an outlet for that, as you said, is really important. Yeah, and so it's a tall order for sure. And mm-hmm. we, we know that it's what we're saying, what we're suggesting is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's easier said than done. So this brochure sounds nice and straightforward, but mm-hmm. living it is very much more difficult than it mm-hmm. reads on paper, of course. Mm-hmm. And and I guess it's a good time to remind listeners that we know that kids that are in separated families often can experience more challenges down the line in terms of development Mm -hmm. if we are not able to do some of the things we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So if we are not mindful of some of these ways that we think and talk about the other parent and then support them in developing a safe, trusting relationship with that parent, we may, um, they may be at risk of more challenges down the line in terms of friendships, academic learning, Peer, just um, relationships with other adults, romantic relationships. So, so we want to give them the best start in life. So mm-hmm. it goes back to the ten things, the other ten things, episodes that we've talked about, how mm-hmm. to give our kids the best start in life, mm-hmm. so that they are healthy, well-rounded individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Number four says, if I talk about things that I enjoyed with with my other parent, it doesn't mean I love you less or that I'm rejecting you. I need to be able to share everything with you. Yeah, Mm. this one, it's, it's, 
piggybacks on that last one because mm-hmm. to me they're very closely related, right? So we may have lots of mixed feelings about who this parent was when we were together as a family unit and even as a partner, right? We may see strengths that we didn't see before. And and this would be amazing for, for our child's sake, right? It would mm-hmm. be amazing if this parent is able to 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 find those strengths for the child's sake. But it can also bring up hard feelings, like how come you weren't able to do this when we were together? Mm-hmm. You know, and so then it really requires us to put aside those hard feelings and say, wow, and we, we think of this as delight in me in terms of attachment language. Mm-hmm. So can I can I put aside my feelings and really be present to enjoy this experience with you as you tell me this story about the fun time you had with dad at Disneyland, mm-hmm. you know, that that I wasn't a part of. And I'm just so happy for you that you got to have this wonderful experience and mm-hmm. just delight. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. I'm so mm-hmm. happy you got to have a lovely time with dad, mm-hmm. right? And we could fill in the blank. There could be so mm-hmm. many other moments. Mm-hmm. And so... The, the the name of the game here, right, is delight. Can I can I just put aside my feelings and just take pleasure in my child's pleasure? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can see why that would be, you know, would be challenging. The some of the you know barriers might be I could never either maybe afford to do those things, or you know who knows what what the barriers could be to having those um, kind of experiences. But um, it. It is important, as you say, to set aside your adult feelings in order to recognize what's happening for uh, the experience of the child there. So um, let's move to number five. So number five is, I know that no parent is perfect and I don't expect either of you to be. I need you to stay neutral when I sometimes have everyday kinds of complaints about my other parent. So that everyday stuff and just disappointments again or maybe unmet expectations. How can a parent manage that? Well, I think it's like you said, putting aside the grown-up feelings. And I think this is another tall order. So we find ourselves, I think as adults, it's easy to get pulled into joining someone as they maybe complain or Mm, vent mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. express a disappointment or frustration. And so I think this is a very relatable idea and not just in parent-child relationships, but in all many relationships that it could be so easy to get pulled in and say, oh yeah, you know, I know, I know that can happen, you know, and then join in the, in the, in the venting or the expression of frustration. And so one way we can balance this is, is even to say, oh, I know that dad sometimes forgets things that must've been so frustrating that mm-hmm. he forgot about your basketball practice. Mm. And what can we do next time? So maybe moving into a problem solving, like after hearing the, the frustration, then moving into what do you think would help you next time mm. when you go to dad's, mm-hmm. you know, so that because we know that sometimes he forgets some things, mm-hmm. what can you do about that? Depending, of course, at the age of the child. And so there's an example of not just being neutral, but even going into a helping think through solutions with your child. So if this is just the nature of some of the things, the challenges that come up. Um, yeah. So it does mean like, again, putting aside adult feelings and and being bigger, stronger, wiser, kind. Mm-hmm. Going back to some circle security language that we promote. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of it being solution-focused because probably parents want to be able to do something in that moment when their child is, again, disappointed or has a, some, you know, complaint of some kind. And rather than chiming and saying, yeah, you know, your, your mother or father could never cook or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, 
um, you know, they have they have something to focus on. In this case, you're saying mm-hmm. that kind of going to a, a problem solving or helping the child um, deal with those situations is is a, a a more maybe a productive place to put the energy mm-hmm. and maybe meaningful for the child because if this is a reality. They, they do need to have some solutions, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Probably moving yeah. forward. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so number six says, I know that you're grieving the loss of our former family, and I need you to know that I'm grieving that too. I may grieve differently than you, though. So here's a really interesting one. The, the, the idea of loss and grief in a separated or, or uh, divorced family. So what can you tell us about that? Well, I, I'm glad you brought it up because uh, I was going to point that out, that it's very clear in the language in the brochure. The word grieving is used a couple, t- a few times here. And so I think it's, it's done on purpose, right? Intentionally to make a point that it is grief. Mm-hmm. And we often in our culture associate grief with death. And we don't, I think in an unfair way, I don't think that we associate divorce or separation with grief. But I, th- I think that most of us would agree that it is, mm-hmm. that there's a grieving process. Unlike death, it, the person isn't gone though. Mm-hmm. So there's this added pressure to sort through your feelings in a way, in a, in a, in a faster way, because you need to move on to the co-parenting part. Mm. And so, and, and then again, societally, we may not give families enough time to really sort through all these complicated feelings. And before we ask them to start co-parenting and figuring out actually the logistics of sharing, you know, going back and forth between two homes and understanding developmental needs without the support of that other parent readily available. And so, it's a process and like grief in any context is a very individual process and there is no timeline. Nobody can say you should be done by now. That was two years ago. Why aren't you over it? Right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think what we want to remind families is that it, if they're, if they feel like they're grieving, it's because they are. Mm-hmm. And so, right. And their kids are too. And, and, and they may not cry. They might pout and throw things. That might be their way to say, I don't like it that we're not together as a family. Mm-hmm. They might hit and be aggressive and they, parents might be confused and think, how come they're not sad because they're not crying? So they might associate the way they grieve with the way that kids might grieve. And so they might be confused about mm. how their kids really feel about parents, families no longer living together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, you've kind of opened a door there to thinking about things a little bit differently maybe than um, they may have in the past as separated parents thinking about that as a loss. Like you said, if there's acting out kinds of things happening or differences in behaviors or, or just observing some differences, mm-hmm. you might be able to kind of open up the idea that a child may be experiencing loss and how do how would you respond to that differently than, you know, just in, in any other sort of everyday kind of way. Really interesting. So we'll move to number seven, which says, I know there are all kinds of families, blended, kinship, single parent, etc. The thing that matters most is that I have at least one consistent adult in my life that I can count on. Absolutely. So we know that kids benefit from having um, networks of family and uh, family friends that love and support them. And so kids can never have too much love. And what, what really matters is, like you said, one consistent adult that they can count on. And I think that one of the brochures has a quote from, and I don't have it in front of me, 
Um, every child um, needs one adult who's irrationally crazy about them, mm-hmm. right? Something like that. Um, and I think it's on one of the 10 things brochures. So one of the listeners could probably find it <laughs> and, or maybe we can bring it back next time. And so, so really it's, it comes down to all kids benefit from having met multiple loving relationships, but at at the end of the day, they need one adult who's consistently available that shows up, that that meets their emotional attachment needs, meaning that they feel safe to come to them when things are hard and they and they're worried or they're unsure and confused. But they also that encourages them to go out in the world and explore, mm-hmm. right? That they can do both of those things mm-hmm. and that they 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 are a presence for them that helps them to be confident in the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's what we want. You know, everyone can't be all things. And so if we strive at least to do our best to do those things, then, then we're, we're, we're doing what we need to do. We're mm-hmm. doing our job. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming maybe some listeners might be thinking about the fact that we've talked about having at least one consistent adult in, in that child's life and how important that is. I'm assuming if there are two consistent adults, even if they're in different homes, that that's uh, a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then if you add in like, so, you know, blended family, so often what will happen is partners will repartner. And so then you get into blended families, right? They may have already had kids, Mm -hmm. and then they're bringing their, their families together. And so it can get really complicated really fast. And so as long as there are, there's that consistent adult in each home, or at least in the child's life, that they can count on. So even if things are hard in one home, mm-hmm. they know they go back to the other home and there's that person they can count on. So times may not be ideal, you know, based on their age and maybe some struggles you're going through as a family. And then maybe as they mature, things will even out a little bit more. So the, it's it's so specific to each person's situation that it's hard to gen- overgeneralize in these kinds of discussions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because every family is different. Every child is different. Mm-hmm. And so we are, you know, getting to that point of like every child just needs that one adult that they can truly count on mm-hmm. and not to sweat the other stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So number eight says, I need you to be consistent in our new relationship. I need to know when I'm going to see you and that you'll always be there. When contact with you is irregular or sporadic, it affects my sense of self-worth. Yeah, and I think you were mentioning earlier um, the rates of contact for kids between um, co-parenting families and that most kids have some regular contact. Is mm-hmm. that right, Lori? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did find some statistics um, among children who had experienced parental divorce or separation and who were in contact with the parent or guardian who did not live with them, 25% lived equally with both, and 44% saw the other parent regularly, which is like a, you know every week or so, and 21% saw the other parent occasionally. Right, and so I think what we're, perhaps we're, we're just kind of focusing on that smaller percentage of families where they may not be able to predict as reliably when they're going to see that parent. Mm. Maybe there are complicated adult factors like addiction or unemployment or other health issues that might be making it very challenging to be a safe presence in their child's life. And there may be good reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's for the be- child in the child's best interest. And so 
Um, so what we're what we're getting at here is um, that whenever possible, it helps a child to be able to predict when they're going to see the adult again, the other parent. Mm-hmm. And for most families, the good news it sounds like most kids have access to both parents in according to your survey data mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to some degree yes so that's good and yeah i mean it makes sense that consistency is important and children rely on that they mm-hmm. the, I, we we get that message when there's small infants about the importance of routines and predictability and how that builds security mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. And and I think that um, as they get older and they, they start to have their own voice and express it, and parents might be a little confused about how much should they push, you know, if they say, I don't want to see them. So what we're really focusing on here is that from the child's perspective, the parent being available and in a predictable way, right. if the child then chooses not to then meet the parent, that is come. If, mm-hmm. I think if it's come from the child, then it's the child is in the position to make a choice mm-hmm. versus the parent just not showing up right. or not notifying the other parent that they can't make it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then the child is left with the letdown and, mm-hmm. and the uncertainty of when will I see them again right right yeah. okay so number nine says if you're struggling with your feelings about the separation please don't process that with me get help from another grown-up yeah it, it goes back to some of the things we've already touched on that um families going through this um understandably have a lot of intense mixed feelings. Um, There may be some regrets. There may be some confusion all the way around. Definitely loss and maybe some relief and maybe some excitement for the future. And so there's all kinds of mixed emotions. And so we, we, we think this is normal. We think this is also healthy for the parents to find supports that mm-hmm. work for them. Mm-hmm. So is it a family member or a close friend or maybe just another f- a person who's going through a similar situation that can relate? Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to that validation piece that somebody gets it, they see me, they get how hard this is, I'm mm-hmm. not crazy, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. so we're encouraging families to reach, parents to reach out for their own support so that we don't, we're able to be available emotionally to our children. Mm-hmm. And don't get them mixed up in our grown-up feelings. Right. Yeah. And parents could potentially reach out to, you know, community organizations or maybe an employee assistance plan or Mm -hmm. some, like you say, uh, you know, some other more informal supports. But it's important to just know that those supports are out there to reach Mm -hmm. out to and Mm -hmm. it can really make a difference in terms of your own support as a parent as you go through this challenging time and situation. Yeah, and I think with, with... what we've learned with technology through this pandemic, we've learned that things have opened up in, in that sense of remote access. So right. even families that live in isolated rural areas could potentially find support online or through um, support groups on Facebook or maybe Instagram or other social media platforms mm-hmm. that I'm not very versed in, but but lots of families are aware of where they might look or they might even just do a Google search and see what comes up. So I think that the sky's the limit in terms of technology and access now. And and for some families, that might even be preferable because they may not be able Mm -hmm. to get away Mm -hmm. um, if they are um, mostly single parenting. Mm -hmm. And so there might be some options that we might feel shy about in person, but we might feel more comfortable if it's over the internet Mm -hmm. or we don't have to meet face to face. Yeah, true. Right? Yeah, lots of options. Yeah. Great. Okay, number 10. Please remember that I need to have fun with you and make new memories together. 
Yeah. What a great one to end on. A great one, yeah. So we like to, you know, it goes like delight in me. Let's have let's have new, fun, exciting experiences. And we don't always have to focus on the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we can just have fun and mm-hmm. and not feel guilty that we're having fun, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and know that what we're doing is important too. Mm-hmm. Like having fun is an important part of being a parent. Mm-hmm. It's not just setting rules and boundaries. It's also having fun, enjoyable experiences, yes. <laughs> memories. Yeah, absolutely yeah. important, of course, because those are... So those are things that children carry with them as well. And you, as I understand it from our conversations, these are the things that help build that sense of connection mm-hmm. and attachment. And you got to have those good times in order to get through the bad times, I guess, yeah. as we've often heard. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Well, this has been really interesting. And again, I think we know that this situation of, of being separated or co-parenting is a common one. It impacts a lot of people that we know. So... Uh, you've offered some really, really good uh, guidance and reminders about the things that are important, you know, in this challenging time. But again, I think it's really hopeful because it it does remind us about what are the important pieces, and it kind of, uh, you know, reminds us to to s- stick to those things. And when we do, it's going to have a really positive impact on our children and our families. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for that. I really appreciate the the time and. I know our listeners will appreciate it as well. Yeah, so great we'll to be here for- again. Good. We'll look forward to our next uh, conversation next time with our Attachments podcast series. Looking forward to it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Mm-hmm.